0: This is the JWN Podcast. Shaquille Fontenot is a private chef, recipe developer, educator, and serial entrepreneur specializing in 100% plant-based cuisine and strategic brand growth. One of her companies, Fairy Fresh Foods, offers private dining, meal prep, and consultation services in Charleston and surrounding areas. Her mission to bring healthy foods to the community expands into all facets of her life, including a sense of activism and community development based on equity, not just equality. This episode was recorded on New Year's Eve, as many of us look to leave all that 2020 has done to us behind. We do look back at some of the things that this year has exposed, and I hope the timing and content of this conversation will come to you at a time when we're trying to, you know, reset and improve ourselves and... Not only will this give you some ideas on how to improve your diet, but also the knowledge that doing so could improve the world. Here's my conversation with the inspiring and ambitious Chaquille Fontenot. What's, uh, by the way, it's, it's Shaquille.
1: Shaquille. Shaquille. Mm-hmm. See, I, Shaquille. Yep.
0: You know, it's funny is I've been, I've been asking people mm-hmm. the time, they're like, Oh, do you know this person? And I'll tell mm-hmm. you Shaquille. And they're like, no, <laughs> maybe because I've been pronouncing your name wrong. Yeah.
1: no And, worries. and then uh, font. Yep. There you go.
0: I actually Googled like there's yeah. a name pronunciation. Frenetic- thing. For,
1: yeah.
0: I'm starting this year off. I, I stumble over my words enough as it is. So mm-hmm. now I'm adding in like,
1: no, you're good. Can- um, literally every day of my life, thanks, mom. Um, it, well, just I think it's because of Shaquille O'Neal. Like that just yeah. was, but yeah, Shaquille.
0: So that makes sense because on your Instagram it says Quilly.
1: Quilly Quill, there yeah. You go. So Quill. now that makes sense. Now I
0: understand. It Question like, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I am so excited to have you on here. You have so many different things. I, I was just discussing with you as we were setting up. Um, I can't even remember how or why I discovered mm-hmm. your account. I don't know if it was a referral from someone else. Uh, it's not something I talk about a lot. And I'm not a, a preacher on this subject in my life very much. But if I am in the mood to talk about it, I will probably annoy people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, is, is eating a plant-based diet. Yeah. And so uh i imagine that might be how i found it, it also could be 2020 is uh, uh, been a very uh, much a year of awakening for a lot of people
1: <laughs> yeah and
0: you have been very um forward in in activism
1: right absolutely uh,
0: yes so let's briefly kind of just go over the these things okay. um I, I, we could start wherever you want, but I'm I'd like, like to know. Yeah,
1: the, this year <laughs> the
0: plant-based thing. I th- the reason why I asked you on here, I was like, oh, great, we could start the year off. People are thinking about this type right. of stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of times, you know, they'll go to like the major uh, outlets to, or they'll Google it and whatnot. But meanwhile, here's somebody who's a woman-owned business, black-owned business, right. uh, putting out plant-based solutions or Explain what you do with with Fairy Fresh. All
1: right. So um, Fairy Fresh has been a little bit of a wild ride. I've always really been into um, health and wellness in general. Mm -hmm. So just finding natural remedies for a lot of common ailments. And in terms of, so I have a brand called Fairy Fresh Foods. And initially we were doing plant-based meal prep in Charleston. Right. And we were doing that, I would say, we got started in a summer. I would say like a good nine-ish months. And then Corona hit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and the, the world fell apart and we were like, okay, well, it's time to pivot and we want to keep ourselves and our clients safe. So we still do some private dining here and there, um, with all the disinfecting shenanigans in place, but we decided to start focusing on products that people can make at home and make it a little bit more accessible. Um, The reason it started in the first place is because Charleston is home to a lot of food deserts. And now I think new terminology is like food apartheid, where it's literally structured that way. You know, it's structured for people to have disadvantages. And so particularly in some low-income areas in Charleston. And then um, it was just really a concern to me that, we have all this wealth here, we have all the these tourists, we have all this accessibility, but it's only for one group of people. And so that's the, primarily the reason I started. And um, I always knew I was gonna get moving the, to that direction because I dealt with my own health issues. Like, a, uh, it's, ah, it's not a few years ago anymore. It's like maybe five or six years ago. I was teaching in Louisiana in Baton Rouge and I got super sick. Like. Whoa. I'm talking exposed to toxic black mold sick and I was like fainting randomly and like my whole body would be covered in hives and I would like just pass out random places and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and they thought it was like they were I was getting tested for like lupus and lymphoma and all this stuff and they were just injecting me with steroids to try to support my immune system but that's like only really to calm down the actual symptoms and not get to the root cause so my family and friends just always come to me when they had a problem to try to get some herbal remedies or think about foods that would heal their bodies and so I just did a a hell of a lot of research and um, I've always been kind of in tune with the whole naturopathy thing um, because I have like a maternal grandmother that was super into that as well so she would grow like catnip and Um, Like mint and different things in her yard. And so I learned about a lot of those properties early on. But I never really applied it to myself because I didn't have to until I was like on the brink of death. So I started doing a lot of research, explored a plant-based diet and started seeing the connections between all of our organs and all the vitamins and nutrients we need in plants. And then the the biggest thing that people get uh, the question you get with the plant based diet is like, well, where do you get your protein? And uh, it's like, well, where do the animals get their protein from? You exactly. know, where
0: does your protein get the protein? Exactly. And the sad part is, a lot of the animals are getting like <laughs> some of their vitamins th- through like supplements, injected. Shots.
1: Yeah, they're getting shots. They're getting um, stuff like yeah, put into because, their
0: food because they're raising them in a non natural <laughs> right, situation. Exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. So terrifying um, cycle.
1: The thing about me is like I think a lot of people are more attracted to the type of plant based lifestyle that I live because it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean veganism. So
0: right, there's with, a there's a stereotype or there's mm-hmm. there's a stigma um, when you use the word vegan, right? And unfortunately, and it's tough because you because it invites judgment or, it, you know, there, people have a, a thing in their head when mm-hmm. they when you say that word. Because
1: you're an unseasoned block of tofu and, and disappointment. And that's largely <laughs> what it is at a lot of like restaurants and places where you, you're you presented with these options. And so it's like, you have to almost carve out as, as like a plant-based chef or a plant-based professional, you almost have to carve out like a new reality for people. Cause it's yeah. like, it's not just what you think it is. And I think for me, I started using the terminology plant-based over veganism because I feel like the term vegan itself has been like, not necessarily appropriated, but taken to the level of like, it separates people. Yeah, it's it's, so, it's
0: somewhat cultish.
1: Right, exactly, and, <laughs> and like, there's warring I mean,
0: factions in,
1: mm-hmm, in the within within oh, the community. If you and bring so, up honey, <laughs> right, it's like
0: you might get murdered <laughs> exactly. by a, a hardcore. Not murdered, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, like you know, verbally murdered. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. Definitely some. Um, some some online fire going back and forth oh, yeah. with these different groups. But for me, it was like, I want to make it as accessible as possible to people because I have a lot of friends. Like, I have a lot of chef friends and mm-hmm. a lot of them are not plant-based, but they see the value of that diet in them. So they, they are cognizant of where they source their items. Like, I know plant-based people that eat seafood, you know, it's just... It really is like the majority of your diet coming from fruits and vegetables, right. nuts, and just things that directly grow from the earth. Um, you're getting those direct nutrients. So that's really what kind of got me started in that lifestyle.
0: Yeah. I, 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 One of the things I mentioned to you as we were walking in uh, was just kind of, you asked me how I was doing. I was like, man, I had a good night's sleep. because oh, yeah. the full moon mm-hmm. effect. Uh, I didn't know.
1: Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm 44 <laughs> years old
0: and I've never really kind of thought about the effects of like the moon cycle on right. something like sleep right but i think i was thinking uh, this morning about that uh because i woke up fresh and i was just like oh i feel so good mm-hmm. but anyway um i was thinking about like why is it that for so many things in my life have i ignored about my body and mm. about 5 years maybe a little bit more now i i went to a plant based diet and uh, since then, I, I just keep having these kind of realizations, and it's either I've removed a lot of the inflammation, a lot of the dulling of the senses that right. our normal that a normal diet mm-hmm. like proposes, because it happens slowly. You don't know that like parts of your body are like fighting to survive right. just because of the food you're putting into it. And then you become more in tune. I don't know if that's the case or if it's just because I'm getting older.
1: Um, I think <laughs> I sound I think it's like a, a grandma. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely a combination of those things. So like returning to the moon for a second, it's like, mm-hmm. so I think we just had, we just had a full moon. The The night it was the strongest, it was like in the oh, yeah. sign of cancer or whatever. But I always tell people, and, and this is kind of like wake, wakes them up a little bit, mm-hmm. Um if the w- the moon is able to control the waves and our bodies right. are m- mostly water, yes. then you have to think about that from a scientific level. Then obviously you're on some molecular level, you're also being affected by that. And I think that um, as you kind of become more in tune with yourself, you do clean your body out. A lot of the foods that are like in the standard American diet are really mucus forming and our body tends to like an alkaline environment. So if you're more acidic, usually your gut health is not in the best place either. And when I say your gut health, I just mean like your digestive health, like you're able to eliminate whatever you eat. You feel like you have mental clarity when your gut's clogged up. That's yeah. the that's where your like intuition comes from. So yeah. it's really there is a connectedness between your body and like the way you're able to navigate in the world. And so it's a combination of like getting older and wiser, right. but it's also like if you have mental clarity, you're able to make better decisions for your body and you know in your general life too.
0: I, I think when you clear the path mm-hmm. uh, as far as removing all of uh, all of that inflammation, that mucus forming stuff, all right. the things that all things that we eat, people. Are so in love with cheese mm-hmm. that even though most people are at some level lactose intolerant, right? right? Uh, even though they know that they will feel awful they're like, later, they bit. still eat it. Right. They still put milk in their coffee, mm-hmm. even though they know that like for the rest of the day, they're gonna be like,
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> you know what I'm saying?
0: Like they'll just do it. and and, and it, when you remove that it opens you up to being more in tune with everything else. So then I start, yeah, then you start experiencing things in life uh, in your environment and you start realizing how much the weather does affect you and how much uh, like barometric pressure Mm -hmm. can
1: affect your mood. Your ankle's hurting and your back's hurting.
0: (laughs) And just like you said, because we are- and now we are made up of water, right. and we're we're, we're, we're made just,
1: up of star stuff. So, like <laughs> you and know,
0: we're, we're all. I've, I've been saying this a lot on the pa- podcast lately. I've been getting a little heady,
1: mm-hmm. for lack of a better
0: term. But just just understanding the connection that we have to everything, even inanimate objects. Right, we're made of the same stuff. Exactly, and we're we're just a bunch of like atoms mm-hmm. getting it really? on, really, really. And uh, you know, it, to to think to go through life not thinking that all these things affect you, and the problem is like we said, with the veganism, mm-hmm. is that uh, some of those concepts will get appropriated right. by groups that feel like At you're not part too, of them. Yeah,
1: it's almost like an elitism to Perfect. to a certain extent. And I think that um, it's not something that people do on purpose, but it kind of just fuels all the current societal standards. Like right. you, even with, I know we were talking about this new app Clubhouse right before we yeah. started recording. And it's like- you, th- people almost are drawn to exclusivity to a certain mm-hmm. extent, and that creates, like, this holier-than-thou image when you're like, oh, well, you know, I have to have my leafy greens in the morning, and mm-hmm. then, you know, my, my like, herba, herbal tea, you know, and it's not, it's not the same for everybody. Everyone doesn't have the same reality. Everyone doesn't have the same routine or even ability to, you know, access right. certain things, so— it yeah. seems
0: expensive for people who, right? Did, because you, if you can go to McDonald's and get like a whole mm-hmm. meal for like a few dollars, and
1: why, a salad's twelve. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you go
0: to Verde, and right? You're, you're, yeah, you're you're fifteen to twenty dollars mm-hmm. into your meal, exactly for one meal, right? So, but the you can do it. For less. You can go to right, the supermarket right. and, and buy kind of, all the Right. Ingredients. So that's
1: kind of what I focus on. It's like, okay, buy in bulk. These are different things you can make. Keep the cost low. And that's, that's part of what draws people away as well. Well, not even draws them away, but just like repels them the effort, completely. Yeah. Because even some of the more accessible products, they suck. Because if you look at who's making them, it's mm-hmm. largely the corporations that are trying to save face. Mm-hmm. Like I know um like Tyson invested a whole lot of money in like meatless products and like the dairy industry, a lot of people don't know that the dairy industry is significantly hemorrhaging right now because of right. all the oat milks, the almond milks, the soy milks. There's yeah. so much stuff that's popping up now because people are becoming more cognizant of what they're putting in their bodies. So when we get back into What keeps people from the lifestyle or not even like becoming a plant-based person, but just incorporating more into your diet is scary because if you don't have money, you don't want to waste $6 on a vegan cheese that doesn't melt and is going to suck, you know? So it's like there's a fear also with like um, wasting your resources on something that you might not like. And I think- If you give people the tools to be able to make things themselves and try something different or even things that are reminiscent of what they already know, it's easier to help them transition or just even incorporate more into their diet.
0: I think there's also a danger right Mm -hmm. now with the popularity of more plant based options is the popular is the like you said, the corporate infrastructure coming in and saying, hey, there's money to be made here, but mm-hmm. they need to have these products stay on shelves. So they add the preservatives, they add right. the sugar, they mm-hmm. add the salt, they add all of the oil, they add all of the things that are poison to us.
1: Right. And if you look at like USDA standards and FDA and all that, like some of the products, you can say that you're hundred percent natural and literally just be sugar. Like uh-huh. there's so many different nuances in the laws and so many ways that you can, as Not a corporate even sugar, entity. by the way. Yeah.
0: High fructose corn. Yeah, cereal. exactly.
1: Not even real sugar. <laughs> so, um. We can't even get that right. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just a constant battle with having to. And that's why people need to be informed yeah. about what this stuff is. Like, if I'm got red dye number five, a yellow dye number three, like, right. what does that mean? Like, is it just come from a beetle? Like, this come from something that's manufactured in house, you know?
0: And it's, it's very, like, the Yelp just sent an email, like, randomly to me. Yesterday or something like that, talking about the restaurants that started in Charleston in 2020. Now, obviously, it's a small number Mm -hmm, (laughs) of mm -hmm. new restaurants Mm -hmm. in 2020. I'm amazed that any restaurant tried to open in 2020. (laughs) Right. But uh, two of them, or two of the eating places, well, I guess, um, but Blind Tiger.
1: Yeah, Neon Tiger. uh, Neon Mm -hmm. Tiger. I'm sorry.
0: Good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the other one is the Cafe of Sweet Abundance. Uh, which is in mm-hmm. West Ashley, and, yeah. and it's all plant based, but it's it's mostly desserts. Mm-hmm. And the problem I have, I'm like so happy that there's okay. Right. Here's vegan or plant based options right. for dining, um, but it's all junk food.
1: Yeah, and that's <laughs> something. Like food. one of my friends was talking to me about that, and of course, you know, I'm very happy for those yeah. that are able to have success during this time um but again because it's Charleston you have to be cognizant of the community that you're serving and do we really need like more burgers and pizza or do we need some flavorful alternatives mm-hmm. and i think that's an opportunity for you to sit down and think okay are there some people that maybe have not have a platform or don't have a voice that we can uplift and maybe do collaborations with to make sure that it's more of a communal effort than us yeah. just assuming that this is You know, a lot of people in Charleston, when they're starting things, it's like, ching, ching. Like, you think about the dollar sign and the dollar amount because there is a lot of tourist foot traffic and stuff like that. But for longevity purposes, like, are you fostering that community? Are you being creative? Or are you just, is it a gimmick? Right. Are you just trying to
0: get rich, uh, quick scheme thing? Right,
1: right. And no shade to these people that are, you know, opening up. But I think you just have to be mindful about it. Yeah. And, And
0: my whole struggle... Trying to explain to people like, because, cause, you know, I, my wife, for example, mm-hmm. she, she's in real estate. She has somebody that wants to do some business with her that keeps inviting her and me over to their house for dinner. And my wife, who's she doesn't eat the same way as I do. And she's like very standoffish. She's mm-hmm. like, no. my hu-, And she finally mm-hmm. said, my husband's difficult.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but she didn't want to come out and say exactly what. Right. She's, she's, she just says, oh, he's got dietary restrictions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but but the thing is, is every time I'm in those situations, I'm a lot less stressed out than she right, is. Right, right, right. Because I know well enough to, A, let people know, like, hey, mm-hmm. I, I eat plant-based, mm-hmm. so... That means no butter,
1: right? Right, right.
0: <laughs> um, but a lot of times, I'll either bring something, yeah, or I'll eat beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I'm just prepared for it. If we're going
1: out to eat somewhere, right.
0: I have never been in a situation where I can't find something.
1: Exactly. Eat. Even if it's just some french fries and a salad, like, just you know, a, yeah. everybody knows that the general point, you just get a drink, french fries and a salad is some place where you can't find something. But right. yeah, I think even that term, like restrictions, it just like, it just literally yeah. boxes you in. And, and it's like, when you think about it, most of the stuff, like people who just are die hard, meat and potatoes, people like. You're not even really, you don't even really like the meat that you're eating. You like all the flavor, like the herbs the and all the yeah. salt and pepper. Like you like, you know, the the different stuff that you make, you make, you're making it yeah. taste good with everything that we eat by itself, you mm-hmm. know, um, which again, is not a problem if you're looking at where these things are being sourced. Um, but I say all that to say, I think we really just need to look at the terminology that we use and right. it, whether or not it separates people or brings them together because this year has been so traumatic <laughs> for a lot of yeah. people in so many ways and um we we both know that it's not going to just change overnight when the new year hits. No, um, people have
0: very wide eyes. They're mm-hmm. open.
1: And that goes back to what you're saying about the awakening. Like, yeah. I think the time being forced to sit down and reckon with yourself and reckon with the systems that you're a part of and the things and people that you are aligned or not aligned with. Um, and people can feel that friction, whether or not it's like transitioning, you know, you, you know, when you need to move mm-hmm. to a different job. You know, when you need to move to a different place. You, your body will tell you, right. like, when it's your, time. your body keeps the score. And so we're getting up every day and like you're we, we briefly mentioned it earlier, but it's like when do you become more aware of what you need? And I think that's really getting back to the root of, mm-hmm. of who you are and like how you can best support yourself. And that's why I like using plant-based in general because everything is not for everyone. And that's fine. Right. There are that's some fine. body types right. that
0: would not do well mm-hmm. on a pure plant-based diet because historically, you know, if you look at in Inuit, they eat fish. Like that's what's available to them.
1: And, and you got to look at, like, from a regional standpoint, where people have come from or where they were forced to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the Mediterranean diet is one of the healthiest. Right. And you got to—I um, was also—like, I did a lot of traveling pre-COVID, and um, it's just really amazing. Like, if you go to Peru and you see, like, a hundred, a hundred different types of potatoes. Like, mm-hmm. we, we get the—we started getting the purple ones here in the Americas, but it's like yeah. they have— Every spectrum, every color, even black potatoes and, and going to Portugal, like on the small um, islands, the Azores, like they have just so much abundance in their land and their sea. And you can taste the difference in the oh, quality yeah. for sure, um, obviously, because it's literally directly from farm to table. But it's like the more you get out, the more you're exposed, the more you see what's available to you, the more you start to question, why do I have this or why is my community or this group of people restricted to these items. And so I know we um, were talking about like food apartheid earlier and you got to think, um, I think Fresh Feature Farm in North Charleston, they're like the only farm in that area that has fresh produce that they grow on literally, I think, I don't even know if it's a full acre that they have there. Um, but everywhere else is just like a corner store with some like right. corn chips and sodas. And it's like, if you literally have $37 in your account, you're not about to go get a salad mm-hmm. when you can get a hot dog and some chips for a dollar. You know what I'm saying? Exactly.
0: Like, and, and and the weird thing is, is those prices for those terrible foods are subsidized by the mm-hmm. government. You're like, well, why, why, why? Right. <laughs> why right, is right. milk getting a, a break?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you poisoning out. people. Big big milk. <laughs> no nah. big well, dairy. No, but th- and that's mm-hmm. what you have to look at too. And I think that's why it's not even like um physical awakening with people paying mm-hmm. more attention to their diets and paying more attention to what's going on in their nation. And I think right. that's even more important because now we're seeing areas where people have already been disenfranchised for so long and these problems are exacerbated by everything that's going on with COVID and everything yeah. that's going on with all the the fights in the government, about $600 or $2,000. I'm like, y'all, y'all are getting paid but- upwards of, you know, like $150,000 a year to fight over something. Like, it just nonsensical to me in that is something that we have been okay with. Yeah. The status quo for so long and now people are waking up. Like, even in Charleston, I don't know if it's time to get into this part of it we or can not. Go,
0: we can talk. But like, it's a conversation. In
1: Charleston, um, Charleston Proper, city of Charleston, they allocated $54 million for the to, police. For the police, <gasps> so for the police. And less than 1% of the budget, when they already had an $18 million mm-hmm. deficit this year, but less than 1% of the budget went to urban and community development or community planning. Right. And you would think that would be like programming fair housing things like that no it's really just for construction for some small infrastructure so it's not benefiting members of the community directly honestly um when you look at the creating a safe infrastructure for a city you want to invest in like youth Mm -hmm. programming you want to invest make sure people have the resources so they don't get into the school to prison pipeline or whatever but i'm like allocating 54 million dollars to the police and 90% 90% of their time was spent on low level offenses. It's like, right. okay, why are we allocating all these resources for people to constantly be harmed? And why of- are we
0: keeping that cycle going? Yeah. And well, let's 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 get into some of the, the, the more controversial <laughs> ideas of, of that that kind of kind of, well, they've been around for a long time, but 2020 put up a spotlight on them. One of them that I think suffers from terrible marketing right. is mm-hmm. defund the police. Right. I hate the term right. defund the police because it makes it sound like, hey, let's just get rid of the police, Right, which I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel that way, mm-hmm. but that's not what defund the police means. I, I really think they need to just say restructure the police or repurpose the police or right. re, reimagine what community policing looks like. Because when you say defund, What you're really trying to say is you're restructuring it. In in other words, putting that money, that $54 million, if you were to put that towards community programs, you would have a much more lasting and effective change. You would get rid of the violent crimes and the real crimes that go on. You, You would minimize all of that because you would be propping up communities and making them care about the communities that they're in and getting rid of all of this cycle of violence that... Who's it serving? Like, what's the end game? Well, how does that prop up white people to continue to prosecute poorer people uh, or minorities and keep them, like, kind of down? Like,
1: how does that even help right. you? Well, well policing is really profitable for... for. Is it? The, is it the, well, I guess the prison profita- system. Yeah, I mean, it's profitable for those that are um, service members and it's profitable for those... It, it just, it's, yeah. it's just a big... It's, we don't have no time today to get into all of that. But right. Right. It's very what I will deep. say is very important to look at the language that we use. And so when people say defund the police, it's, and then literally there was a um, group Low Country Action Committee that was... Uh, in alignment with the People's Budget Coalition looking yeah. at how to reallocate things in the budget. And um, the mayor issued a direct statement in response to some of those budget requests saying we're not going to defund the police. And that language just really kind of jars right. people sometimes when it's like you've been defunding education, you've been defunding fair housing, like people don't think about that language. So right. it's more, we we like to look at it as like reallocation of funds. Exactly. So how come we reallocate a percentage of these funds to go into the programming and things like this? Um, and then you also have to be careful when you say like community policing versus community control of the police. Because community right. policing is some some language that they will, um, those that are in power will use to further fund the police. Yeah,
0: I see what you're saying. So
1: if you look at community control of the police, that's more of like the police uh, department's having a reckoning. So you're not investigating yourselves. Right. You're not um, there are policies in place to have some checks and balances. Because if you have like Charleston's police department, if you have people that are literally getting government grants and funding, in addition to funding for the city, for militarized weapons, you should yeah. never, You why do we need that? We don't need it. And so when you look at the line item budgets that are sometimes provided and sometimes not provided and see where these things are going, it's like, okay, y'all are getting new police cars. You're spending millions of dollars on gas literally patrolling already disenfranchised areas right. and it's like these low level crimes most people i just think it's interesting especially in charleston that a lot of these um a lot of the crimes that are being policed are low level offenses especially like small marijuana offenses and it's like every single day there's a new cbd shop opening downtown uh-huh. oh, yeah. so i was like this is literally the same plant so why is one community being literally thrown in the back of vans and getting into this system that is very profitable for the state. Mm -hmm. And the other community is profiting off of this, this exact same plant. So it's just really interesting when you look at that that economy um, of like Charleston being this adult Disneyland for (laughs) those that come in. And then for (laughs) the communities that, you know, literally have been here for generations because they were forced to be here and they don't have the same opportunities as those who, you know, kind of migrate. So that's just- something to look at.
0: Yeah. And and I think what the gist I was getting at, and I I think you hit the nail on the head as far as as wording, because even I'm choosing words that pop in my head and it's probably just because I've heard them and I'm not really Mm -hmm. thoroughly thinking them through.
1: Um, But that's that's done very purposefully. And that's why, um, you know, I'm focusing a lot on political education, both for myself and for members of my community, because that's part of all the jargon. And you look at the tax records and millage and all this stuff. Um, Even like city council meetings, they're extremely boring. They're so boring. A lot of it is just like looking at whether or not you're converting a house into a commercial property. Like they have to go through each one. And that's part of the disjointedness between the community and those that are supposed to represent them. It's not Mm -hmm. convenient to be represented. You know, you have to go through all these forms, all these different things to have your voice heard. And so unless you mobilize as a people and kind of like even when we're talking about plant based stuff, the more people are aware of what's going on, yeah. the easier it is for them to form an opinion. If you have three or four jobs and you're like a single parent or something, you don't even have time to think, you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills and eat. You don't have time to petition yeah. and the city. Exhausted. So exhausted.
0: You're, you're exhausted. You, yeah. you go through a whole, uh, there, there are periods of, of people's lives where where they get so used to their comfort level. Right. Even if their comfort level is exhausting. Right. Because they're surviving. Mm-hmm. So breaking out of that is scary. Right. Learning right. a, you know, kind of, kind of matrix style, taking the the pill that is much more uncomfortable, but that's right. the reality. Mm-hmm. That's the actual reality. It's, it's scary. It's a lot more comforting to just keep doing what you're doing and floating along exactly. and just going with the flow. And it definitely is important for people to start having these conversations and and again the language sometimes puts a stop to the conversation mm-hmm. right away because mm-hmm. it elicits a response so the reason why i find and i i, I know that i'm not 100% correct or fully thought out but the reason why i find the term defund the police uh problematic to me is because it puts that stop in the conversation. It automatically divides people into sides. And it's like, the conversation should really be like, how do we make the police work for us better instead of work against us? And, and when I say for us, I mean, for everybody, not just for the people that are at the top at the current moment.
1: mm -hmm. And I think there is like, you know, re reallocate refund community control, all the, all this terminology, um, you don't need the police going to respond to someone having a mental health crisis. Oh yeah. You know, there's so many different ways that we can create a supportive infrastructure. Um, And I know there's a a captain that I'm familiar with in Augusta and her role is simply to create community programs. So all they do is like give out food, color with kids, play basketball, you know, it just like really creating this structure that allows people to come and it basically takes you back to your community roots right and that's that's different from like uh funding It's basically that's different from funding, literally funding state funded violence. You're looking at these crimes that like police crimes, police commit crimes as well. And like people don't think about that kind of stuff. And so
0: even the president.
1: Right, 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 (laughs) right. But, um, you know, we don't have to get too far in the weeds on it. But I think it's just very important for people to educate themselves and just not to look straight up at the media and just, you know, take everything at face value because it's a very calculated approach. In the information that is given to the people to inform their decisions. And right. like you're saying, people are so busy. There is just easily digestible content. Is phrases that are repeated over and over again to perpetuate that confusion. Right. Because people don't understand the amount of agency they actually have and um, I think we've we saw it over the summer we, we're seeing it now with um, a lot of different cities mobilizing on a huge mm-hmm. level like the Jacksonvilles and Chicago's of the world that literally have forced their uh, representatives to sit down and reckon with uh, you know reckon with themselves so right.
0: and I think uh, uh, let, let's let's briefly not it doesn't have to be briefly but let's let's touch on the events that um, of in Charleston when we had the the, the big protest that ended with like a violent small group of violence um just destruction of property va- vandalism it wasn't really violence against people for the most part I think there might have been a couple of cases. Um and the struggle I have, I was I was there that day during the day, uh participating in the protest. Because I've strongly I marched with my daughter, I strongly feel like something needs to be done. We need to be out there. We need to, to make sure people hear, uh, everyone's voices. And I wasn't a witness to any of the stuff that, that happened later on that night. Right. And, and I really do feel like the response that like everything that transpired that day was so baffling and so concerning as far as, uh, cause now when you, in, in, when you talk to people, and I shouldn't say people, just when you talk to some people now, a lot of people actually, they will refer to it as the Charleston riots. (laughs) And I was like, I was there. There was no rioting. (laughs) I, I think the overwhelming majority of people weren't there to riot. But guess what? We've been told since the 60s that, you know, the fuse is very short and something needs to be done. And not much, a lot has been done, but not nearly enough. And so... When these things keep happening, and now we've got it for years now, since Walter Scott, we've got things on video proving that this, the accounts of this violence are true. And it's still happening. So what if, if we're a country and, a, and another country keeps bombing us and keeps killing our citizens, eventually we're going to war. So to get angry at people for taking it to that violent level what? You, where's their next step? It, all the peaceful stuff has not been working. The hands across the Ravenel Bridge didn't have the effect we wanted it to. So, to go and call it the Charleston riots, I'm like, that's that's not fair. That's like it's, it's it should be called the Charleston. Uh, of course, it was going to happen. Of course, it was going to get to that level. And then then to me, the, the the tragic part of all of that was the next day when college kids are out in the park protesting. And that's when the police showed up in force and started tear gassing kids. Like,
1: what is going on? <laughs> What's going on is uh, just a sheer audacity. <laughs> there's there's definitely some unmitigated gall from those that are um, able to enforce these types of measures. Yeah. Um, I think that Charleston is such it's beautiful, but a strange place because, um, you know, the International African-American Museum is opening in 2022. And the research that they're finding now is that like between 60 and 70 percent of enslaved Africans were imported there. Like that's right. their first stop. So a lot of them stayed here in the Low Country up and down. Mm-hmm. And there is just so much labor <laughs> that has been profited off of that is continuing like charleston apologized for slavery whoop-de-doo but what have you done to really re let's go back to the term reallocate a lot of these funding to support and uplift and to create a more sustainable infrastructure for everyone like we're below sea level right now like we get washed away any day but the focus is on really um especially With the um, what's the name of that? The off the Visitors Bureau or something like here, just investing so much funding in supporting the adult Disneyland that we talked to earlier, and it's like, oh my God, you're interrupting my brunch with your marching, you know? And it's like, how the lack of the lack of cognizance, the lack of reality, like it's like you are in an invisible world. Like you're saying, this was bound to happen eventually. Like this is not.
0: The fact that it wasn't worse
1: right. is, is to I me think,
0: amazing because people don't want to destroy their own place. They don't want to. Place. They not, don't. Not, only,
1: not that, but it's like that just showed that there is a lot of anger. There's a yeah. lot of hurt. There's a lot of turmoil. Like people were fed up. People feel like they don't have a voice. Even after um, the... Evil. I'm not even gonna get. I'm not gonna say his name, but those from the Charleston Nine that were right. murdered in cold blood, and you have um, clergy members saying that. So you know we forgive everyone, and that's not the voice of the people. Like some things are not forgivable, and so yeah. you have to look at from the root of all these situations. Why does? an ecosystem exists that allows this type of situation to happen in the first place. And I think that's when a lot of things are revealed about how many people are under the poverty line in Charleston and how many people have access to things and how many people don't. Um, From an educational standpoint, from a health resources standpoint, mental health, a lot of people that are incarcerated in Charleston were already homeless or don't have any, they don't have anything. They don't have anywhere to go or anything to do. And so you have these pressure points that continue to form and this energy continue to build up. And there's no way besides expressing yourself for this stuff because there's not organization. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of there's a difference between holding a sign and protesting and really thinking about, okay, what's my long term plan to really make a difference here? And I think that's kind of what we're seeing, not just in Charleston, but in a lot of cities all over the nation, because people are like, we don't have to have this. You know, this doesn't have to be my reality. And I think even like we were saying how COVID kind of exacerbated a lot of things. People already under the poverty line, their lives aren't going to change whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden's president, right. that's not going to happen. So we're looking at how we can get more resources into these communities. We have to look at why, who was there? And why <laughs> were they there? Yeah. If this is not an isolated event. That's what we're saying. Like, right. of course, Charleston, of course, like. It's not an isolated event, but
0: I I I love how this all turn, it all connects to exactly how we started off this conversation talking about something as simple as your diet, something right. as being aware of what you're putting into you. Uh, the reason why I started this po- you you just mentioned something that that kind of clicked in my head as far as the reason. One of the things I've been exploring in this podcast is the different forms of communication mm-hmm. through creativity, um, and understanding that the experience of people and how they communicate and how they thrive. We're so boxed into like, you know, the education system, which is based on test scores. And, you know, it's only a small fraction of the people that excel in that. Whereas people in general have so many, a vast different way of excelling and communicating and offering um, greatness to this world that never get their feet off the ground that never get recognized. And uh, I, I think when we start going into the core level of these things, uh, of of reimagining, not just uh, government and policing, but reimagining education, right? because then it all starts to make more sense when we realize, hey, this kid who can't do arithmetic as well as this other kid is amazing at something right he could
1: be a tremendous coder there could be like technical Mm -hmm. skills that you know and I think you're right about everything being connected on that that deep of a level like we need to a lot of a lot of our problems are rooted rooted in like mm, I'm gonna just say it the capitalistic structure that we have because it's it's always like it's a me 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 type thing like even I was mentioning to you this might be a good time to get into it like I was in corporate for a while and it was like um It was basically, I worked for like a technology broker. So if you have, um, just as a quick example, if you or I needed like phone service, we might call Verizon and be like, oh, give us a phone or whatever. But we would work with like the Discovery Channel and they would need 500 phones or something Mm -hmm. like that. So it was like mass um, purchases of technology and our partners would get paid on those. So I was like in charge of marketing for them and we would, you know, go to conferences in Vegas and all these Philadelphia, all these different places. And they would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars right. on parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those clearly, are not right, cheap. <laughs> right. Exactly. And like, just, it's an escape from, from your daily life, I guess, the yeah. corporate world. Um, but anyway, it just, just really, after a few years, I was just really taken aback with how much money was wasted, mm-hmm. how many resources are actually available. And then I know I briefly mentioned earlier when I was sick, I taught in Louisiana, and I also for for a brief time taught in Mississippi. And it's like when I was in Mississippi, I was like, "Is this America?" Like I really was just Mississippi thrown for it. is weird. I was now. teaching. It's, it, I was teaching <laughs> like five minutes away from where Emmett Till was murdered, and yeah. it was like literally across the railroad tracks difference, like barren land. Like I know you've seen those aerial shots of like the uh, U.S.-Mexico border. And Mm -hmm. it's like just a complete, complete difference. But um, I say all that to say, like that really just made me cognizant of how many resources are available. And I think having that experience of like these kids coming to school and they're like, the only food they get for the day is the free lunch that they get, you know? And um, a lot of like public charter schools, that are popping up now still get government funding, but they can follow their own rules and infrastructure, and that means a lot of contracts for like transportation or food and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of systems are built like that, and it's too, for profit, not for the the actual person. Like it's always profit over people, and not people right. over profit. Well,
0: that's the capitalism thing. Right. I mean, <laughs> if you're a publicly traded company, by law, you need to increase your profits every year. You need yeah. to make more money.
1: Yeah. The
0: the 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 thing that I struggle with being like a middle-aged man at this point, a white middle-aged man who's been in business and run businesses for most of my adult life. Um, but I've worked in the corporate world, except my corporate world looked a little, uh, <laughs> more fun as far as I was working for like MTV networks. And oh everybody. yeah. Yeah. So, but regardless, it's the same thing when you get back into the offices and whatnot, it's still a corporate structure functioning the same way, wasting tons of money. <laughs> but, uh, there are certain aspects of capitalism, or the American version of capitalism, yeah. that I think are not, um, not lost. In other words, we're such a big country; we have such a diverse uh, set of needs from from the most urban centers to the most rural centers. Very, very different needs, right? Uh, very different political mindsets, very different spiritual mindsets. And how do you? How do you, you know, herd, herd these cats? You know what I'm saying? It's like there's so many different moving parts, and I, and I do think the American system is kind of on the right track of trying to trying to do it all. <laughs> but, but the problem that we're seeing lately is the division of those those mindsets and making it so black and white so yin and yang as, as far, instead of like those things existing together, separating them. And, and the, the reality is, I think we do best when we come together with opposing views because diversity really is the most effective way to 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 get progress. Because you're going to see things that you might not think of. Um, and I also believe wholeheartedly, from what I've done with through my life, is when you're comfortable as we said before even in any aspect of your life the ability to to change becomes a lot harder so when you're when you're hungry when you're poor right when you're uh when the backs your backs against the wall that's when you innovate that's when you come up with with things that you're forced into a situation and so kind of what and I'm I'm not trying to play devil's advocate. These are just conversations I have in my head where I fight myself. <laughs> but when you have a capitalist society, we do tend to have these major uh, advances technologically and 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 in certain aspects of life that might have taken a lot longer if it weren't for the devils of capitalism. Because put people's backs against the wall, uh, you can see what, that would look like on the other side, when you look at what the whole world of scientists coming together, not for profit, but for the greater good of humanity, you look at how fast we came up with a vaccine to this coronavirus, how much faster we were able to get this thing created, tested and to to, to to be deployed. You go, okay, that is an example of maybe democratic socialism type of mentality where it's like yes we have this desire to make money we have this desire to stand out and to to excel but we also need to take care of each other
1: right i mean and
0: so it's like i i do i do have faith that america can get this right (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I don't think it'll be on behalf of the government getting it right for no. us. I think like you're saying, it's, it's people being cognizant of all that's going on. And of course, we've had tremendous technological advances. But then I would argue that if we have had all these advances, then there's no reason for people to be living below the poverty that's line. True. If there's plenty of food for everyone, there's plenty of ways to create um, educational infrastructure. Um there's no reason for right. us to be the greatest nation in the world and still be. There are some nations right now, they're no longer in lockdown. They're living their lives normally. Fucking New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Love New right, Zealand. Right, right. But it's just, um, there's so many areas of opportunity for our growth as a nation. And there's so much talent that we'll never see because yeah. you don't have access to these systems. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that because of capitalism, we have created infrastructure that does allow there to be more power for the actual worker. Right. So if we look at everything that when everything got shut down, only essential workers. Why are the essential workers that are the build, you know, the base of our society getting paid the less, you know, the yeah. least amount of money? Um, and so when you're looking at it like that, of course, we want these giant technological advances, but... Why should it be based on exploitation of the most vulnerable right. groups of people in our nation? In the world, not right. just our
0: nation, but right. in the world, because right. like,
1: right. you know, in order so, for
0: those, those companies to remain profitable, they have to keep pumping out new stuff.
1: You let's know, think of the Amazons of the world who literally will allow stores to come and you know post their things and sell on their site, but. If they're making more money than Amazon, who doesn't need the money, they will literally buy out that company or, you yeah. know, like create their own and put uh-huh. Amazon basics over no, it, which n- nobody
0: <laughs> I think is, is freaking out enough about the fact that Amazon now has like deliveries, their they own delivery trucks and
1: they're testing out. Yeah, um,
0: it's, but it's, the whole chain is now there's, they're buying up the chain of uh, all the small businesses that were feeding off of them. Like right. you just said, they start buying them up.
1: And a lot of people don't know um, that, you know, there are a lot of legal battles going on with major corporations like Amazon, like Google on access to information and just like um, the product sets and different technologies that they're putting out. And there, I don't think there's a really good infrastructure to monitor that type of stuff. And right. that's when I always say return to the people and what their needs are. And if you have a corporation where, the leader of the corporation has more, mo- more money than can literally be spent in a lifetime. Right.
0: When they, do, they're, they can't, Is they're that not ethical?
1: Using Is that ethical? When your workers don't yeah. get breaks when they have to work 18 hours, you know what I'm saying? And so I think maybe we should look at that a little bit more in reforming the structure of these organizations, mm. what they're giving back to society versus taking out of it. Um, right. And then that would be a new conversation for how we can turn the tide as a nation Um, because there's, there's a tremendous amount of work to be done, but the more power you put in the hands of those that actually fuel society, the people, the workers taking care of them from their, their healthcare, educational um, basic sustenance needs. Uh That's the conversation that I'm ready for America to have, especially when, we've proven the we Pentagon can afford it, men, the like $2 billion a day that's allocated there. And I'm like, why have we been at war for most of my life? Like that does not make any sense.
0: It's it's very scary. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the I remember September 11th, uh, my daughter wasn't even a year old. And um, I remember while I was in Manhattan, I, it took me all day to get home. It, a lot of, walking a lot of yeah yes just it was it was a nightmare not nearly as bad as the nightmare that other people were living with but it was just like an emotional like roller coaster not even a roller coaster it was just a free fall (laughs) emotionally that day and then to get home and 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 hold my daughter and look at her and go like i don't know what this world i brought you into is gonna be like because this is messed up Mm -hmm. like and and i unfortunately you know it's We've never stopped fighting after the events of that.
1: Well, I mean, that's and that's what if we could just talk about like the status quo. Like you were saying, once you are I think you said it earlier. I'm probably gonna butcher the way you said it, but essentially, like if you're used to something every single day, it's harder to change. Right. Yeah. And that's how it is as our nation. Like our our nation was founded on stolen land and uh-huh. built on the backs of stolen people, you know? Oh yeah. And so you can't really progress from either a capitalistic standpoint or any other structure of a, of the society itself until you address the reason that all the disparities exist in the first place. Um, And until you make it a priority to address these things and to actually fuel resources into not creating equality, because that's not, that's not going to work equity. And then we need more equitable systems because you know, I could be three steps down, and you give me five apples, but somebody that already has ten gets five. You know, yeah. that's not creating an equitable system. So, um, I'm I'm actually really hopeful because of the shift that we're seeing—the Great Awakening, as it is, the Age of Aquarius. There's a lot of people yeah. that are um, realizing that they don't have to accept they don't have to accept it. Even like one thing that really like shook me up was at the beginning of COVID. Um, they were like, okay. Cause people didn't know what to do. The government was freaking right. out. They were like, okay, rent moratoriums, mortgage moratoriums. Um, Yeah. Go get free testing. I'm like, so basically what you're saying is all this stuff existed already. You yeah, just you chose that not it could, to, exactly.
0: And, and it uh, the, the Free of, food,
1: free water. Like, one of <laughs> the big
0: takeaways from this year uh, on a, on a, country level or global level but just to watch the failing of our health system uh in, in a, quite a dramatic fashion scary. and the fact remains there are still people because of language because of buzzwords because when you say the word socialism people freak out and they think there's something wrong with you but when you look and they'll attach it to anything They'll attach it to like, oh, is that water coming out? That's socialist water. Yeah, it's so
1: funny like going down to Florida and seeing like the billboards and it was like no socialism with the giant. It's so funny like just seeing.
0: But but the reality is, is look at what uh, countries who aren't socialist but have socialized medicine that have, you know, uh, that they, they take care of their people at the well, basic that's what I'm level,
1: taking care of their people. So people are now yeah. saying, "I'm not taken care of." So why does this government exist? Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah, so who now, are they taking care, right? Of? <laughs> who are they representing? Who are they taking right. care of? And so people like are just seeing it, and they're like, "Oh no, oh no, we're gonna do something about this." So um, it's a really exciting time. I think that everything that we saw over the summer is just the beginning. There's gonna be a great deal of. I don't want to say uproar or hoopla, but we're going to just definitely see um, some changes. And I think it's necessary for us to have that idealized society that we want. And it's definitely not going to happen in your lifetime, my lifetime, but we can definitely get closer by informing as many people as we can. And
0: and I honestly, this is something that somebody said to me and it clicked and I I won't forget it. Uh, And it's, it's, you know, it can sound cliche or whatever, but I, I remember having like kind of like a little moment years ago of just kind of like, I feel like I need to contribute or do more for the world. Right. And, uh, this is a guy I worked with at MTV. He said to me, it's a, he, he quoted Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and he, he basically said, if you want to change the world, you got to change yourself. <laughs> right. he, he said, you got to, you got to take care of yourself first. Um, um, I'm not giving the exact quote, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm referring to.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, did man in the mirror. So, uh, that goes back to how we, the whole reason I wanted yeah, to bring you in here. see. I brought
1: it all in full because circle. Because
0: I want people to understand, when you start taking care of yourself, right. when you start removing the sludge out of your body, mm-hmm. and when you start becoming more in tune and, and 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 recognize that you have a lot more control over your own body than you know.
1: In your you, own life, too. And then
0: you can start branching out. Right. Then that, that river starts flowing out to every aspect of your life and life becomes a lot more, um, abundant, abundant, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm going to give you a little, I'm, I'm going to give you a little backstory. I mean, cause I actually want to talk a little bit about yeah, you, do it. but I'm going to give you a little backstory about my, my, uh, plant-based, um, experience, uh, because I got into it for health reasons. Right, purely for health reasons. Uh, but in the back of my head, I always had this influence. One of my favorite bands from a teenager was a vegan mm-hmm. band from Canada, you know. Um, and, and I grew up in the punk rock scene. So there was always different factions of people with different philosophies on life, and 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 uh their veganism was the had that's how I learned about veganism, right? Is through that, and I was just kind of like, okay, there's those people are weird, you know. What I'm Saying like, but it's there. You you learn about it. You know about it. You are aware. Um, and then about five or six years ago, I I, I weighed a lot more. Uh, I had let my life because I was so busy doing everything else. I wasn't taking care of myself at all. And and, and I was about sixty five pounds heavier than I am now. Um, and I started to like get scared. I had a couple of of situations where I was like. Oh no, like this is something has to change. Mm-hmm. Like my back was up against the wall. Um, and I discovered Joel, Dr. Joel Furman. He has a book about plant, whole food, plant based eating. And so I, I followed that. And I mean, I lost 60 pounds within two months. Wow. It dropped off me. People thought I was sick. Yeah. Like people really thought there was something wrong with me. I was like, no, I just changed my diet and I stuck to it. Um, but what happened, the, the reason why I'm saying all this, giving me this preface is what happened after, uh, not even that long, but after some time eating that way, the ethical aspect of it started to seep its way into me. And then I started to become like very aware of, of the pain and the harm that we're causing through our diets. And, uh, I don't know where how you got to to where you are, but I I do feel like when people st- start to make those changes, you can't help but allow those that mm-hmm. love into your heart.
1: Right. It's uh, it's really sneaky the lifestyle. Yeah, um, it really <laughs> like you were saying that kind of happened for me too. So actually, tomorrow marks my tenth anniversary of being plant based. Wow. Yeah. So and um, you're very healthy. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I became a vegetarian, I think, in um, like right, probably like junior, senior year of high school. And Mm -hmm. then when I went to college, I was um, trying to get more into veganism, plant-based lifestyle. And I did it for health, purely for health reasons, because I just had so many like immune and inflammatory issues, even when I was growing up and everything. You know, it's harder to control like when you're living at home what is available to you. If you're like a broke kid, like you can't yeah. just go out and just buy, you know, whatever you want. But when you get to the school and you have this giant salad bar with like 50 different toppings, you can experiment, you can mm-hmm. try new stuff. And that's a, and really a culinary awakening for a lot of people when they leave home is like trying new stuff that they, yeah. you know, they wouldn't normally. But for me, the community that finds you, you know, you're saying you follow, you read books. And I, I followed this girl Named fully raw Christina. I'm not at that point now. I can't do the fully raw live. Okay, I, I need my like pastas and all that stuff. Yeah, but um, she would just talk about like how good it was for animals, and then I was always kind of very in tune vibrationally with like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty mindful po- uh, mm-hmm. person, so I do my meditation. Like, I need to be doing yoga because I'm a little crunchy right now
0: this year's- Right, been, like, I, like, yeah,
1: that's a struggle. Um, for it's a this struggle, year. but like everything really makes sense. And we were talking about earlier how we're all made of star stuff and how like even Mm -hmm. the mics here, like you, I mean, this, this room we're in is pretty cool right now. It's a lot of technology in here, but you wouldn't want to sleep in here because like all the, the currents coming through the ports will really affect, you know, your sleep. Like even having your phone really close to your face at night, will throw it off a little bit. Um, But like starting to think about what you're putting in your body If these animals are literally cramped into space, injected with stuff, scared and like angry and and upset right before they die, and you're eating that, like that vibrationally transfers to you as well. And so that from an ethical standpoint of like... The emotional well-being of animals. I was never like a tree hugger, plant-based person. I really didn't care about PETA, no offense PETA, right. and all those, you know, other organizations. But as I became more cognizant, I was like, oh, it kind of makes sense.
0: And, you and then you think leather. about, right, or
1: you <laughs> think about like the environmental effects too, and you start reading facts about cows and all the methane, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh shit, like we're destroying the earth because we're farming cows and we could just be feeding people like Rhizobines, means, you know yeah um and even like all that like you're saying this is an advantage of having the technology of a capitalistic society is that now they're inventing all this new stuff as alternatives right to that um so that's that's cool too but there's like, a
0: benefit to it there's also a curse to it but it's but the right. greater benefit from a technological yeah.
1: standpoint so there's like a lot of um from a, from a metaphysical standpoint where you're jumping into this lifestyle you're just picking up on all other like people yeah. do like um, you'll see hashtags on Instagram that'll be like vegan for health, vegan for life, vegan for animals, vegan for the environment, vegan for everything. So mm-hmm. it's like once you're in it, you just start seeing the connections between everything else. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that do change their diet become more radicalized because their mindset, their life, everything has mm-hmm. shifted. And so it's like everything that I've known as ordinary is actually something that they just told me was. To, right, and that's uh, I think that's also like a uh, not necessarily a suppression technique, but it's convenient yeah. for you to be uninformed. It's really beneficial for mm-hmm. the powers that be for you not to know how certain things work, including your body, right? Including your body. So um, there's
0: there's a sadness when when the discomfort of your existence becomes the comfort because your our bodies are just designed. To be comfortable. Right. We're designed to protect ourselves.
1: And it's scary to change. And
0: you're constantly in a state of discomfort, mm-hmm. and that's how your body identifies its level of comfort, coming right. out of that, it sounds crazy. It sounds like woo kind of
1: <laughs> right. thing, yeah. but
0: coming out of being miserable- your body is rejecting that,
1: right? And, and then that, even the process yeah. of like eliminating a lot of things when you have been eating a certain diet for so long is scary because you might oh, yeah. have inflammatory reactions. Your body's like, um, they call it like a Herxheimer reaction when you're detoxing, or like mm-hmm. um, your body. I call it recursing for me. Like I'm still seeing when the people stuff.
0: who do keto call it like the keto flu when oh, they remove the yeah. sugar.
1: <laughs> yeah, they feel
0: flu-like symptoms because their body is addicted and to it, sugar.
1: And it's literally your body holds like um both physical and mental trauma in different areas in your body. So like mm-hmm. me, all the stuff that I went through in Louisiana about like six months ago and two mo- and two years ago, I had a really, really bad reaction at a time that I was detoxing. And it was like all the areas that I had problems with years ago. So your body, like your body keeps the scores. It is very like- There's a lot of memory in your body. And so it remembers how you treat yourself. And so if you think about what we were talking about, that comfort level, it's hard for your mind to break out of those Mm -hmm. patterns to help your body move along. Because your body's always feeling it. But your mind's like, ah, you know, I'll start on Monday, you know? right? Um, And right now I'm kind of like in the middle of a cleanse. And my partner is like, yeah. Let's start now. And I was like, Well, I wanted to do some before we started. <laughs> it's
0: it, it's it's the I don't know if you ever smoked cigarettes in your life, but that's the the quitting smoking mentality is like, All right, this is my last pack. Mm-hmm. Instead of just throwing the pack away, you're like, you're I'm like, like Yeah, why this? wasted?
1: You know, like I got some yeah. chips in there. But yeah, mm. no, I think that um is really a gift to yourself when you start becoming more cognizant. And like like we were saying, it doesn't have to be an expensive process. No. It doesn't have to be a cold turkey type situation. Like I know when I was first vegetarian, not even like completely, because I don't eat dairy now, but not even completely plant-based. Um, I decided it was going to be like the start of that year. I was going to start. And this uh-huh. is when I was in school. My mom had some baby back ribs that she was making. And it was like literally cooking. And the clock struck 12. And I didn't, that's my only regret that I didn't get to eat those ribs Before I, (laughs) even now, like the smell of bacon is just like, it's just a beautiful smell to me. But also when you, from an ethical standpoint, I'm just like, yeah, you know, let that little piggy live and I can just put some smoked, some liquid smoke. Well, (laughs) I mean,
0: and to address the ethical standpoint, uh, I think for people who do, who it is beneficial for them to eat plant-based, I'm not plant-based, I'm sorry, animal-based products. Mm Uh, there's something there, there's something to be said about the ethical responsibility, and and it's admirable to a lot of people who are hunters. And right. I say that in in and I'm not even being like uh, I, I know people around here who hunt. They get excited every hunting season, and that meat will last them all year round. Yeah, my dad
1: always and, has like deer jerky, uh-huh. and like so. Those people are always confused because like I um, you know, I have a. a, a pretty good bit of culinary experience. And so when I was learning how to do a lot, you know, I still had to cook meat. When I was in high school, um, when I had jobs in college, like working at Chili's, I was making Baker ranch, chicken quesadillas and, you know, like different (laughs) things like that. And it's like, that's why I think I have a different perspective too, because I surround myself with a community that understands me and I understand their needs as well. So it's like, if someone comes to me and they're like, oh, do you have an alternative to X, Y, and Z? I might be like, okay, well, if you're transitioning, maybe try, you know, some ground turkey or some, you know, like I'm really cognizant of I I meet people where they are. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to hold up a sign and throw red paint on you. Like, that's just not who I am. And I know because like I haven't always been the person that I am. So it's like if you have a question, I'm going to answer it. But if it's a stupid question, which there are some, (laughs) there's Google available to you. You know, like I have written It's a very it's, it's laborious sometimes when you think about um training people up in the way that they should go because right. like I said everybody has a different path so all I can do is provide the resources and let you know what's been successful for me and if you want to try it that might open up tremendous new avenues for you to figure out how yeah. you want to live your life <laughs>
0: and uh, well and honestly when people start at that level paying attention it's the, the seed has been planted mm-hmm. and and ho- hopefully they start examining the rest of their lives and and going well. If that was such a drastic, wonderful improvement, not only to my life but to the world, right? Uh, and you start to recognize the improvement to the world, and then yeah, you you start looking at your relationships with people. You start looking at your structures of how everything works,
1: right? What then, you will you know, and will not accept for yourself. Because for me, you know, we were talking a little bit about self-employment, entrepreneurship. That's part of it too. It's like your your mental health really affects mm-hmm. your ability to uh, pay attention to your physical health. Right. And for me, if I'm stuck in like a system or a place where I'm trying to enact change and the structures that have been created don't want that to happen. Yeah. It, I can't exist in that space. Mm-hmm. So I had to carve out my own spaces and that's that's scary. That's super, it's super scary. scary. Like, um, and it's definitely not a lifestyle for everyone. But I will say that there is something for everyone. So like, if your job is not working out for you and it's literally like, I know, sorry for anybody listening that might know, but my last position, I literally would go to work early just to sit in the parking lot and like, hype myself up to walk in the office because I was just so anxious. And like that going back to gut health, like, you know, your, your body releases chemicals in response to stress. And that happens over and over again. Like your body has that memory. You're not going to be able to like, if you're not eating all day because you're stressed out and you're stuck at your computer and you're answering emails and stuff like that. And you don't eat until like eight o'clock that day, like your body isn't remembering all this. It it likes patterns. It likes routines. It likes being taken care of. You're basically like a plant with more complex emotions essentially. (laughs) But again,
0: Starting small; those mm-hmm. small changes mm-hmm. have huge impacts. Right, and people shouldn't be afraid that hey, if I try this, I might turn into <laughs> like somebody completely different. Right. No, no, no. Don't don't confuse mm-hmm. that. What I'm saying is, it opens the doors to, right. to, to to and and if that's the outcome, great. If it's not, whatever. <laughs> but even if you just make that one little change in your life, whether it's your the way you're eating, uh, the way you treat other people, the, anything you do. Your work, uh, your work ethic, uh, where you're working, mm-hmm. where you're spending your time. You have a very limited time on this planet. If you're showing right. up to work and you're sitting in a parking lot trying right. to get you the You might not to need to in, be there. It's not, it, it, your, your body is
1: literally yelling Rejecting at you like to you're change. You're forcing yourself.
0: So yeah. don't don't ignore those, mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a similar situation. I was driving up to a client um, and I was dreading it. And I I talked to my wife about it and I was like, I I think I need to start calling some clients that if I'm pulling up to somebody and I'm feeling dread to go in in, and deal with whatever it is and it's nothing life uh, changing as far as what I'm doing, but I'm like, oh, maybe I need to change Mm -hmm. some stuff here.
1: I think it's really important that you um, mention your wife, shout out to her, (laughs) Um, but It's important to have that community because if you're kind of like dealing and mulling over these things Mm -hmm. in your head over and over again, no matter what it is, like that can get you in a cycle in itself. And so it's really like healthy. If it's not necessarily having a partner, it could be your friend or like, Mm -hmm. you know, a team member or something that you feel or even like writing it out. Like really just you need to chunk out these thoughts and figure out. If you're, it's not necessarily like an examination of if you're overreacting or not, it's an examination of like, if you're creating worry about a problem or if it's a real problem. And right. having that clarity really helps you so much because you can, if somebody's like, oh yeah, you're totally right. Like, you know, not necessarily that you need validation, but it's important to have like that sounding board almost. Mm-hmm. And that might help you jumpstart the confidence to do what you need to do. And I think not only with like us talking about how our clients, our jobs sucked at the time, or not even that they sucked, it just wasn't for us. Right. Like that's that, not Body that we aligned you, with, right? Giving you messages. And that's why when we, we, you know, we came full circle with everything, but it's so important for me to foster that community. And that's why I made that pivot from just like making mm-hmm. food to giving people the tools to make it themselves or even like, We're talking about, um, like, activism work. You can't be a celebrity activist. You just can't. I don't care how many podcasts you have. I don't care, like, what your platform is. You have to build a community. Mm -hmm. You have to understand the needs of that community. And that's the only way that you can change on any level. It's, like, addressing it and then working out how we're going to deal with this now. Right. And there's a lot of power in, I think, that.
0: Well, let me ask you a question about when you kind of... um when was there a, a thing that happened in your life? Because obviously your experience through your life living all throughout the South is a lot different than mine. Um, w- was there a, a turning point for you that opened your eyes in a certain way? Like, like, right. was there an event or a thing that happened to you personally that said, I'm going to make this change in my life or, or I'm going to get involved in this way?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like I've always been a bit of a rebel, like a radical uh-huh. person in general. Um, just the the way that I was schooled, um, the people that I was around as I was younger, obviously there they they were the deaths of a lot of young Black men when I was in college. And that's when we really started, you know, doing more protests and sit-ins. And I guess they called them like die-ins. We just lay on the ground and stuff like that. But I really started... When I became an educator, um, I looked at the disparities on a deeper level, like why these systems exist, why they happen in the first place. I got involved with an organization called Lee, which is a leadership for educational equity. And that kind of started um, showing me where resources were allocated and like how systems and things were set up. So beyond the the trauma of Blackness Mm -hmm. and just kind of constantly being exposed to deaths and then... um, those not being let. Let me just say this: they they were definitely legally addressed because the laws right. were in place that kind of allowed them, them to happen and the response to happen in the way that they were. But I think that it was just a combination of things over time that really just led me to and
0: it chipped away at you. Right, yeah right, led
1: me to question why this was happening. And then when I was house hunting a couple of years ago in Park Circle. Um, we were there with the realtor and looking in the house and the realtor just stepped away for a moment. So we're like looking outside, looking in the windows, you know, and this old man calls the police on us. And oh my gosh. yeah, and um, I would say like five or six officers showed up. We were literally in the house at this point, checking out the house, open the door. They have guns drawn, pointed at us, hiding behind trees, like get on the ground, get on the ground. You know, one of my friends were there and that was like the most fairly recent encounter that I've had. That and I was is- just like... The only reason I think that it wasn't worse than it was is because a neighbor from across the street came across and he was like, what are you doing there with those girls? They were just there with the realtor. Like, what are you doing? And the officer's like, you need to back up, sir. And things like this. So we're just basically detained for like 30 minutes where they try to figure out what's going on. They're calling the realtor. They're calling the homeowners. All these shenanigans. And I was like, that just showed me that particular incident that I was not welcome in that community. Like, I didn't belong to these things. It was so strange that a young, like, because I look like a kid most of the time. Like, I'm not, I I look cute today, all the audience listeners. I usually (laughs) just look like a young ragamuffin. I'll take a
0: picture. You know?
1: (laughs) Um, And um, so it just really just showed up. I was like, why do you have six officers coming out to, because this one old man called and said, you know, he thought we were breaking into the house and we were literally looking at the house to purchase the house. Okay. So it was like... That really just made me think like, what the hell, like really what was going on here? And I think it shook me up a bit after that. And I was like, you know, it made me pay attention to different areas of my life, like we were saying. And like, okay, what? No. And then I decided to. um,
0: The fact that you uh, didn't run away screaming from Mm -hmm. just the whole state is amazing. (laughs) I I had a not similar situation, (laughs) but on the other end of the spectrum. When I moved here, um, I guess 16 years ago. Uh, I almost didn't, I, I almost was just like, cause I was very timid <laughs> about like, moving. I, I grew up in New York, mm-hmm. you know? So, so my m- misconception or preconception or whatever of the South was very like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what the hell? But I was married to a woman who, um, grew up in the South. Where do I from? She, she's from South Carolina. Yeah, she, yeah. she was going to Clemson when I met oh, her. Oh,
1: that's okay. Me so, too. I
0: went there. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, she's going to love you now. <laughs> she's very hardcore into her Clemson. Um, but she, uh, you know, we were looking at a house and the house, one of the houses that we pulled up to, the real estate agent that we had said, he, he pulls us aside. He's like, listen, before we go in this house, I just want you to know that this house is being sold. Like colored people.
1: Oh my goodness. And I looked at my wife. Oh my God. I looked at my wife
0: and I was like, I I, I was speechless. (laughs) I was speechless. And then I had to have this conversation. I'm like, I don't know if I can live down here.
1: That's crazy. I don't know if I
0: can do that. And then I realized it was just one dumb guy from, you know, he lived in Mount Pleasant. He was, I don't even think he's a real estate agent anymore. Uh, I wonder why. (laughs) But I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, that's insane.
0: Fuck. Like, honestly, what, what, like. When you like to think like oh these are these are like, white if, people I can talk to them on this level. No, it's but like, no. that's that's
1: interesting because it's like the way that it was phrased is just on my like Yeah, you know the roof's leaking, but let me. It's like it's like it was presented as a problem, and that's what? that's the major issue. Like I was reading a story like over the summer about this lady, and she it was a, like a mixed race family, and they had pictures on the wall of their family members, and their house got praised at a higher value when they took the pictures down. Like you know what I'm saying? I was like, this is absolutely insane. But that kind of goes back to a lot of historical structures that are in place as well, and about like what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. And that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm still here because I'm supposed to be here for various reasons. But also, I can't run away from a problem. like you can't yeah, I, you know, it's opportunities like this where you have an um a chance to like amplify these stories and to right. make people more co- like, there's a lot of good old boy systems in Charleston but there's uh there there's so much cultural richness that you know can really create the equitable systems mm-hmm. that we're talking about but also like draw attention to the fact that it's not always peachy keen right <laughs> you know a little southern phrase for y'all but like it is that's just wild for real for real but
0: um well it's it, it's definitely less uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just as offensive, just on on a completely different scale than having the cops called on you just for looking at a house.
1: Yeah, that was that was kind of crazy. Like I didn't know if I was gonna live or die that day. Well, the, <laughs> the,
0: see, all right, there, there, you brought up something. I, I know we're gonna we're kind of shooting off into different places, but uh, it, and it's one of the things I think twenty twenty. It, it's been the sh- the spotlight has been shown for for years now. I think it became extremely loud in 2020, the difference between being a white person getting pulled over by the police and being a black person right. getting pulled over by the police. Right. When, for a white person, you're thinking, uh, how can I get out of this ticket? Or how, I've I got someplace to be. Can we just get this moved along? For a black person, you're thinking, am I going to die?
1: Yeah, I have like, in what? Charleston, yeah. I, I've gotten pulled over um, a couple of times in Charleston. One was like, I was using my GPS to get to a friend's house a couple of years ago. And like the GPS just turned me down the wrong street. And they were like-, like Like three cops pulled up. They're like, this is the one way. And this is, I was like, my, (laughs) I was like my GPS, like, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. No problem. like, and then like, I'm literally like trembling. I'm trembling. And he was like, it's okay. It's okay. We're not all bad. And like the fact that you even have to say that in the first place is a major issue, you know? (laughs) And I've had several like different experiences where I have been really shaken up by seeing blue lights or seeing somebody rush by. And that's like. Part of the trauma that we're talking about, like, is something that chips away at you. It's like over time, and it's it's also generational. Um, this might be getting way too far off topic, but um, I've been doing a lot of research lately and and seeing how long trauma is stored. Like, trauma right. is stored for generations. They've like done a lot of tests on rats and different things and seen this as as a fact. And when you think about the burdens that your ancestors had to bear and the fact that you're still experiencing a lot of those in in the the form of an actual actual aggression and microaggression. So you have like all this historical stuff to deal with and all the stuff in the current context. And then obviously the future too, if you decide to bring anyone into the world, but it's like, how do you reconcile all that in your daily life? And it goes back to being kind to yourself, taking care of yourself because you cannot change yourself or anything or anyone else unless you really understand what your own needs are. And a lot mm-hmm. of times those needs reflect the needs of your immediate community as well. And so how can we create more communal structures and more opportunities to not be like, oh shit, we don't know if she was going to get killed by the police too. Okay. How could there have been a different response to that situation so that it doesn't happen to someone else in the future?
0: Right. Yeah. It's going to, it's a long
1: Whew, drawn it's out. arduous, but um, yeah. It,
0: it, 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 but the commitment needs to be there for. And I think, I mean, can I? Am I being naive and thinking that more and more people, as time has gone on, I would say for for me personally, not knowing that these problems have existed, but seeing it with the the tape from Walter Scott, seeing that <clears throat> had such a profound effect on me because there's always this this um I, I grew up when I was very, very young. Uh my first memories I grew up in New York in, in in uh in the projects, right? And what I would experience being the only uh like white kids in the projects. Um what I experienced, what my my early experience was, well, number one, I didn't know that we were the only white kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like who know who cares when you're a little kid? But you um the, the, when people have a, a, a relationship with authority, with police, where everything they say to the police is a lie because they don't trust the police, as you get older, you're like, well, whatever they're saying about the police is a lie. You have that in the back of your head because that was my experience. And I'm not faulting the people in that community for having that experience. They were, they were doing that as a survival mechanism, which I didn't recognize at the time. So when I saw the videotape, of what happened and you you can't deny what happened no matter how hard you try no matter how many internet sm- sleuth friggin neo-nazi wackos try to find fault it, or try to find a loophole in that tape is what that tape uh depicts is black and white it's there for you to see you can't deny it and when you see that and then all of a sudden you realize oh no this is this problem actually this is that's the problem that's the real thing um I, I, how, like, I feel like 2020, uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, everybody else, the countless amount of people that we don't remember their names, Right. Uh, I, I feel like hopefully the more that the spotlight is shown on those, the more people will open their eyes and, and recognize, hey, this is deeper than what just happened. This goes back so far.
1: Right. And I think- It's going to
0: be a long process to to heal.
1: Right. And I think we can use a lot of those historical examples. I'm hoping that we won't have new examples to uplift, um, you know, how our nation is set up. But they also say, I think there's an advantage to this new technological society that we have, how easy it is to whip out your iPhone 12 and record a situation. I think that's um, a way to be an ally. That's a way to- um, you know create this narrative so our smart smartphones have given us the ability to become documentarians of our mm-hmm. actual experience and i think the more that we can draw attention to everything that's going on like you said there will be some massive shifts in consciousness in general um and you know the the phrase the revolution will not be televised it had nothing to do with our devices it's, it's a mental revolution right it's the it's a reckoning um like I keep I said this like four times during this podcast but it's like a reckoning with yourself mm-hmm. is is seeing the systems is seeing the patterns is seeing the interconnectedness of everything and I think the people are ready for it yeah. so it's going to be it's going to be crazy but it'll be fun I'm
0: going to tie this all up in a bow <laughs> cuz I think we've hammered the point home is is that if you want to change the world you got to change yourself <laughs> and you have to be honest with yourself and you have to really do some some Digging to find out what works for you, um, and you got to start stop lying to yourself, and that will help you see the rest of the world in a better light, and also make the the things make the changes small change those micro changes that will contribute to the greater good. Um, and and it's undeniably going to all come down to love, love for everybody, everything, love for our differences, love. I think the the uh, everything that you're fighting for is wonderful and beautiful. And I'm so happy that you came on here,
1: yeah, thanks to for having me. It's awesome. I really, really appreciated the conversation. and um it's a revealed a lot to me too because we talked about a lot the power of language. and yeah. it's an opportunity for me to kind of go back and review my notes and think about how. You can make things more accessible to people and articulate it in a new way. But yeah, it definitely starts with you. But you can't have an um, individualistic mindset either. Right. You have to remember that you are an extension of everyone who came before you and everyone that will come after you. So yeah. it's, loving it. The language
0: <laughs> is tough. The language is tough because I say the wrong thing constantly. <laughs> I'm always misspeaking speaking. Because I, I think I've realized over the years that my language probably works best when it comes through like something like music or mm, art. Mm-hmm. So when I use words, I will say the words that I've heard in the past and I'll repeat them. And, and sometimes, yeah, it, 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 you have to examine that. There's a lot of self-examination that has to happen. Um, yeah. I'm
1: so it, excited. This is yeah. fun.
0: It's so much fun. Thank you so much for doing
1: absolutely, this. Absolutely, absolutely
0: before you get going don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already and also you can check out more at jwnpod.com or follow me on instagram at joelatex that's at j-o-e-l the number eight x have a great day
1: Peace.